hell yeah. History is alive, uh, but not in the good way, like you want. <laughs> Some things are happening, though. The insurance company cut me my check. My four grand is on the way. Listeners to the bonus episode oh, who know that I hit a deer will be glad to hear that I finally got my money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was what they valued your car at because it got totaled was four grand. Yeah, four grand. They were like, you can have this cool four grand and go put a down payment on something <laughs> nicer and then insure that so that when you hit it, a deer again will actually pay for the repairs. And I'm like, this sounds like a scam, but all right. <laughs> sounds like a really long, uh, long and convoluted way to kill more deer. They're like, <laughs> if we set it up and make it like the, you know, like the cobra prob- problem in India where it's like by trying to get rid of cobra, they just created more cobra. If they're like, all right, don't hit any more deer because then we'll have to cut you a check for the repairs to your car. And you're like, if I just keep buying the right level of shitty car, then I'll be going all the way up to a Mercedes by like <laughs> hitting it with a deer, buying a new car, crashing that car into a deer, getting a new car. Getting a check, but then eventually you're getting checks for better than the amount that's it's going to cost you to buy any of the shit boxes that are in the correct range to run the deal. So pretty soon you're hitting a deer, you're just pocketing $1,500. Yeah. So, you know, you hit a deer every week. Sure. Your insurance rates are going to go up pretty high, <laughs> Yeah. but you're making like six grand a month. You don't even care. <laughs> yeah. Just get like a really resilient car. Just like hit it with your cyber truck. That surely could survive hitting a deer, right? <laughs> Well, that's like I'm borrowing this fucking Toyota FJ um, as like my backup car while I wait to buy my next car because I got, you know, this whole interim period. And I'm driving down the back roads in Michigan, which is my commute. There's no two ways Mm -hmm. about it. I live in the middle of nowhere. And so I'm driving down the back roads in this fucking FJ Cruiser. And I'm like, man, if I hit a deer in this thing, (laughs) one, I'm going to (laughs) be so pissed at the universe. But like, two, it's just going to bounce off. So (laughs) you're just going to destroy the deer. (laughs) Yeah. I can only imagine what kind of cars they have to drive in Alaska. Because in Alaska, you can hit a moose. And that seems terrifying compared to hitting a deer. A moose just like explodes your windshield sometimes. Well, also, like if you have a small enough car, you might be able to just drive under a moose. That's really tall. Yeah, if you have like a Ford <laughs> F-250, I don't think there's any... Like, do you think someone's ever like... Because you know like th- how they have those those stoppers on the backs of semi-trucks. Uh-huh. Um, it's like a f- flat piece of metal on the very back so that if you, if you hit the semi-truck, it crumples the front of your car. Mm. Because what used to happen, and I think this killed like a famous actress or something, and that brought a lot of attention to it. Mm-hmm. But as you would... The front of your car would just slide right under the trailer, oh, and then yeah. the back of the trailer would go through your windshield and like fucking decapitate you or whatever. <laughs> and so they put that bumper there and it's like, maybe uh, they should have something like that for the fucking deer. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, Cars are, they're crazy like that. Cause people would be like, Oh yeah, we made this, uh, we added this safety feature and it's like, wow, we didn't have something that stopped that from happening before mm-hmm. someone gets decapitated. And it's like, Oh, we should probably put like an anti decapitation <laughs> thing on this. It's like the first thing you should think of. Yeah, it's kind of funny, too, because it's like I think when seatbelts first came out, it took like forever to get people to wear their fucking seatbelts and like Mm -hmm. they would pass laws. And then like at some points they like couldn't even get the cops to enforce it because the cops Mm -hmm. were like, fuck this seatbelt nonsense. Like My (laughs) my dad didn't need a seatbelt. And it's, yeah. it's like it's reminiscent of like COVID is the obvious example, but there's other historical situations like after germs were discovered, it took uh-huh. like three fucking decades to get doctors to like regularly wash their hands before between handling like a corpse and delivering a baby, for instance. Yeah. <laughs> 
Wait, it was. I, I'm just. I, I'm just like curious about seatbelt law. So I was googling it in New York. It guess the year that it became required to buckle up, regardless of where you were sitting in a vehicle in the state of New York. Regardless of where you're sitting in a vehicle, okay, yeah. that pushes it maybe a little bit later. But I would say 1960. Try 2020. <laughs> What? <laughs> Apparently. Maybe before it was only required for the driver or something. Oh, right. They're but like, if, <laughs> if you're in the back seat, you don't have to buckle up. But that doesn't really make any fucking sense at all. Yeah. Because it's like, I guess at that point, they're just like, well, you're just going to crash into the back of a big soft seat. But that's <laughs> yeah, you're not fine. true. You like, never bounce of, around in a car crash or anything. <laughs> half of cars I've ridden in, like the back part of the seat is a plastic bit in the middle of like a soft thing and it's usually yeah. fallen off eight years ago and like just been <laughs> thrown in the trunk with the assumption that one day it's going to go back on but you may as well have thrown it in the trash because yeah. it's going to stay in that trunk for the rest of the car's lifetime <laughs> yeah there's a lot of i remember like also learning a driver's ed about uh like just I, I don't know what you call it there's like a the like whatever holds the steering wheel that they used to just be like really like hard sharp metal so if you like got in a crash you could just like get impaled on the like shaft oh, the, of the, 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 the steering, steering column yeah the column that's what they call yeah. it so many things like that where just in the 50s they were just like let's make this like barely hospitable like iron box and then people will just like zoom around in them and it'll be fine yeah it's funny because they're like oh my god the future get in this iron box and it will take you to your destination at 30 <laughs> miles an hour which may as well have been fucking like Mach 4 yeah, at that yeah. time <laughs> and people were just like fuck it I'll get on but it's it kind of reminds me of like it's a less sadistic version of you ever just look through like Facebook reels or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's just garbage. It's garbage wall to wall. But yeah. once in a while you come across a guy whose bit is he goes up to a really high place and he stands next to the edge of the really high place where it's real mm -hmm. dangerous to fall down. And then he like does a backflip, like a standing backflip or something. Yeah. I see stuff like, like that. Buddy, if you fall, that's on you. And I feel the same. Like if, I'm a late adopter of technology. That's how I yeah. feel about it. I wait till the technology is on sale and we know all the bugs and yeah, everything. Yeah. If I lived during the model, the era of the Henry Ford Model T, my ass would have never ridden in a car. 100%. <laughs> yeah, I feel like with look, with looking back and trying to imagine that like era, like I don't how did more people not see it as like a sign of the devil or something? Like just this like <laughs> mechanical, I don't know, I guess it was just like I guess if you're used to like horse technology and that's like your mode of transport, like horses and like coal powered trains, then just like an, a, a motor car without a horse, like seem very appealing. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Um, I'm trying to find if there's ever been like a, like a religious opposition to cars. Welcome yeah. to beep beep lettuce, everybody. We're doing <laughs> deep theology. This is <laughs> new, new world religious studies. We're trying to figure out if there's ever been an American religious sect that tried to ban cars. And it looks like back in 2002, there was some kind of movement. What would Jesus drive? Mm. But it's just about getting people to drive electric vehicles instead of gas really? vehicles, which is so <laughs> fucking stupid. That's weird. Yeah, I mean, you ever heard of a train? You know what Jesus would drive? Jesus would take the fucking bus straight <laughs> up. I I, I promise true. you, if the Bible were today, you know how people do like, what if Seinfeld were today? Accounts? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what if Bible were today? And or it's just like iPad. Jesus on the bus and there's a guy like, 
really loudly rapping lyrics to himself with no headphones on, drinking like a a, a gigantic 24 ounce beer out of a brown paper bag mm-hmm. and Jesus just starts beatboxing. That would be what the Bible is like. <laughs> Jesus is not driving around in some fucking McLaren like Andrew Tate. Yeah. <laughs> you look at a guy with long hair wearing robes and sandals. That guy does not own a car. No. That guy has like a bumper sticker on his bike that says my other car is also a bike. Yeah. And he rides the bus. <laughs> that guy doesn't even have a driver's license. He's got a state ID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not updated. It still says Maryland. And he's been living in Wisconsin <laughs> for two years. He has really short hair in the picture because he was like straight out of high school when he took it and he hasn't updated it. And he's like, yeah, this kind of looks like me. And he's got a really good deal on some homegrown magic mushrooms if you want some. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a cool dude. Yeah. Hell yeah. He, he's well, the guy when someone's playing a boombox on the bus, he's like, turn that shit up, brother. I like that. <laughs> Just encouraging. They, the bus driver was like, could you please not? And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Let's respect what people have to do on the bus here. This is a this is basically some people's home. Yeah. <laughs> um. My other house is a bus. <laughs> it's just on the back of his like refrigerator box or whatever. Um, hell yeah, home. I'm sh- homeless. Jesus is not that funny of a bit though, because there's like thousands of those guys. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of guys that there are apparently thousands of, <laughs> I was shocked. I was shocked to find out not just a, the details of the Board Ape Yacht Club NFT event, but mm-hmm. that there were even people who went to it. I have I'd struggle to understand someone who is still enthusiastic about NFTs in 2023. The market it's been is a just a long time. Yeah, the market's completely shit itself, right? Like it's done. It's kaput. As far as I can tell, yeah. And I mean, I it seems like it was just all hype to begin with. Like it, it like a lot of like very astroturfed hype. And then a few thousand like of the most gullible suckers being mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I'm going to buy into this and then like flip it for flip it for more money later. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know if anyone is making any money off of these except for like the companies minting them and like selling the technology or whatever. It's so weird to me because like the idea that you need to come up with some novel product that like nobody's ever like thought of before and get in on the ground floor in order to make money is just so fucking silly because it's like there's a there's one product, one one piece of property in the world that is always a good investment and it's land. Yeah. And if you have $40,000 to spend on a picture of a monkey, just get another $40,000 together and buy a parcel of undeveloped land somewhere and wait a few years and it will be worth more money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just take a wild guess where you're like, oh, they've built one neighborhood in this town. I think they'll add another one. Uh, you know what? Like something that, that just uh, reminded me of uh, is I remember like in like elementary school or something in one of my textbooks, we were like learning about the gold rush. And it was saying that like the real people, like the real money to be made during the gold rush was not even like, people like prospecting for gold. It was all the like merchants and shopkeepers who would set up and like sell stuff to people at astronomical prices. Like I think that it said a dozen eggs was like $12. And this is back in like the 18 Mm. late 1800s or whatever. And I feel like NFTs is much the same where it's like the real money to be made is selling like the technology, the blockchain, whatever like these sites are, Mm -hmm. whatever you use to like mint it. It's just like, just like having being at the center of the action for the technology rather than like making the monkeys that like become lame quickly and no one cares right. about. 
Yeah, it's it's Dutch brain, right? Because with the mm. NFTs, it's like it's the tulip boom, you know, the the famous like the Dutch invented finance capital, basically. Yeah, and yeah. so the the comparison is facile, but with the gold rush, it's kind of interesting because it mirrors what like the mercantilist mode of production in the Netherlands, which existed for far longer than in mm. almost any other developed country in the world at that time. Is, is kind of interesting because the Dutch, like, yes, they prospected in, like, the big ticket items and stuff, but a lot mm -hmm. of times their economic model was, like, this other country has set up some kind of heavy industry. We are going to show up and set up a bunch of light industry next to it <laughs> that's related to it. So you're going to, you're going to buy, you know, we're going to take your iron and we're going to, maybe you refine it, but we're going to turn it into products. We're going to take all the timber you cut down and we're going to build furniture out of it. And meanwhile, we're running your feed store and we're running your mess hall mm -hmm. and we're running your general store. And, and it's like, that's where the real fucking money is, is in all the nitty gritty transactions. Like, who's the richest motherfucker in the world? It's not really Elon Musk. OK, yeah. it's Jeff Bezos. <laughs> And what does Jeff Bezos do? He makes a little bit of money every time someone orders something on the internet. Yeah. That's the most <laughs> Dutch way you can make money in the world. <laughs> yeah, definitely it's going to outlast. Yeah, because yeah, that's, that's a good comparison because Elon Musk is like the gold rush or like NFTs or whatever. Like mm -hmm. something that can attract uh, a hype train is like while the hype train is running, that will be the most like sought after valuable, you know, everyone wants a piece of it kind of thing. But Eventually, it dies down. People get sick of their Cybertruck falling apart, like Space Link, SpaceX, whatever. Like all of his little schemes start mm -hmm. crumbling. But it's like Jeff Bezos figured out, like, have something novel, just like you can buy books on the internet. Wow, you don't have to go to Borders. And then it's like, now you can buy anything. And then we'll shave as much labor time as possible off by using extremely inhumane, brutal labor techniques and like shipping techniques. And then it'll all get straight to your door. And they just keep that machine rolling and then mm -hmm. people buy stuff, buy everything online. Yeah, it's very much like it's a simple operation, right? Like mm -hmm. it's like capture part of the market. Then once you have that part of the market captured, you can jack up the prices and make as much fucking money as you want. And you just rinse and repeat where like Elon keeps trying to go after like, what if we went to Mars? Yeah. What if there was a tunnel? What if there was a thing underwater? What if your brain did the computer? What if, and, and like he just keeps like, and he never releases a product because every time he releases a fucking no. product, like the Cybertruck is a great example, or just Teslas in general, people get product fatigue because the product sucks and the customer service sucks and all of the support sucks and everything's expensive to replace and nothing fucking works. And then these dumb motherfuckers start to get this idea in their head. Maybe it's not even worth it. To, to work on this thing that I bought from him. Maybe I should just get the more recent model that's going to be get better, of course, because it's mm -hmm. a few years down the line. And then they buy it, and it's fucking worse. It's worse than it was before. And it's like, at what point does everybody just get off the hype train? And the answer is never, because he's always got something that's like tantalizingly just 10 years off. If you just give me enough time, I can figure out how to make your fucking reptile brain download Pornhub videos <laughs> while your, your cerebral cortex does office tasks and the middle part of your brain drinks beer. <laughs> yeah. The Mars one is like the most uh, hilarious one. Cause I feel like in the, in the 2010s and like earlier in the 2020s, even maybe like you, you sort of got some people on board the hype. And as far as I can tell, the most he's done is like make a PowerPoint. He's just been like, mm -hmm. yeah, we should, we, we could go in a few years. It's like always like, yeah, if we wanted to, we could go in a few years, <laughs> which as far as I know has been true since like the late nineties that like yeah. we have the technological 
ability to like in theory if we had infinite money to spend on it like create a manned spacecraft stock it up with enough supplies to go to mars and back send people to mars it's just like there's not a space race for mars and it's like mm. hard to you know dedicate that much resources to it so what, and like, no one what, really goes for it what would you get out of it because exactly yeah. as you say like there's no space race so there's no like prestige there's no whatever like i guess like china's space program is like fucking groundbreaking mm-hmm. but they're very much like the soviet union before them actually just doing a lot of the like boring normal shit that it takes to get a good grasp on future space technologies it's mm-hmm. not that fucking exciting it's not like <laughs> oh, we put a guy on Mars and he found a Mars life form and he slayed it with a big space sword or whatever kind of American jackboot shit we want to believe. But it's like, also, if you wanted to get resources back from Mars, there's not actually that many resources up there in significantly different quantities than there are down here. It would be much more effective to mine near-Earth asteroids, Mm -hmm. which is also a thing people aren't really trying to do right now. So I'm not sure what the deal is with that. So it kind of just seems like Elon said, you know, what's actually missing from space technology is paying shareholders dividends, which is Mm -hmm. like literally just Bernie Madoff, except you just, you get fined by the SEC over and over again instead of thrown in jail. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, I guess that is like space is the ultimate hype train. So he's trying to like ride that one when the Cybertruck Tesla yeah uh whatever tunnel hype like inevitably dies out and he's also deliberately making promises that will outlast his lifetime right yeah. like he's with the, the mars colonization stuff like when he brings up his little powerpoint and there's like little dome villages with like aeroponic gardens and shit inside them like that is a 100 year goal and yeah. I, I don't care how much fucking money elon musk has he is not living to be one a century and a half old. It's just not <laughs> fucking happening. I don't care what they find on Mars, yeah. My man is not living that long. I don't care how many blood transfusions he gets from his youngest child, PlayStation <laughs> X. <laughs> uh, is that legal? His youngest child is like two, I thought. Well, you know, by that by the time he needs sure, those sure. blood transfusions, he's a rotating scale. That's why he has so many kids. Oh, um, yeah, maybe that's why. The whole in vitro thing is weird, too, because it's like... That's the part about Elon Musk that like really tells me he's a fucking psycho is that he doesn't even fuck to have the kids. He has oh, most really? of the kids in vitro, which is like what I didn't realize that even with Grimes. I, is that how they did it? I, even. But also like, yeah, that's part of my understanding. I think that's okay. the story where we heard about it is that like, the second kid they had was in vitro and we like never got any details on the first. I don't mm. really want to know that much about it. I already know yeah, too yeah, much sure. about it. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, we were talking about the Board Ape event that was held in Hong Kong. Right, right. This is November third uh, through the fifth. Yuga Labs Ape Fest included a brightly lit party held on Saturday. Several of those who attended wrote on social media that they experienced eye burn and other symptoms after the event, and uh, a lot more than eye burn. <laughs> a lot of these people went temporarily blind. <laughs> Some of them experienced what happen. appears to be permanent vision damage. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. This is like the kind of thing that you're like, you didn't even realize it was possible. And then you're like, oh, of course, this is the real way that the Ape Fest found to innovate is like just doing a festival and then it fucking burns people's eyeballs. Is this the kind of thing you're like, there's all like, there's fucking EDM shows and huge like <laughs> techno concerts. Dead Mouse exists and has for some time. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it's happened, but I've never heard of someone like going to a Dead Mouse concert and being like, my eyes got hurt by the light show. <laughs> so it's like, how much work do you have to do to like set up lights that actually hurt people's eyes? 
Or are these guys just so dim-witted that they're like staring directly into light bulbs and like burning their eyes? Yeah, well, it's um, I think the issue, and I think a few people have pointed this out on Twitter as well as some people in the comments of this Variety article, which is wild that I can read comments on a Variety article, <laughs> things that should never exist. Yeah. But they're pointing out that um, the organizers of the event should have bought black lights for what they okay. meant to do. But instead, what they bought were UVC sterilizing lamps. Sterilizing which, lamps? What sterilizing the lamps. Okay. So these people's eyes were exposed to direct UV light yeah. uh, very in a very similar manner to what happens when you look directly at the sun. Yeah. Um, just at a lower <laughs> level, but prolonged exposure can still cause pretty significant damage. And so, yeah, a lot of them woke up. They're like 30 hours later. My eyes are still bad. A lot of them have been given steroidal eye drops to help with the issue. And I haven't seen a ton of follow-up on this. It is almost a, a week later since the end of this event. Um, but, well, no, actually, rather, it's only three days. So yeah. I would be curious to find out if any of these guys have long-standing issues from this. <laughs> yeah, it'd be an interesting follow-up. Uh, that'd, be, that'd be funny if that's like the final death knell of uh, Bored Apes is just that like all of their most devoted followers are blinded and like permanently disabled and are like not even able to like enjoy the apes and then that's the last person who cared about them is anyone who went to ape fest i mean it's really like a fucking kafka novel isn't it yeah like it's like man uh is beaten down by society man is unfortunately quite stupid man <laughs> hears about picture of ape on the internet man's man buys picture of ape on the internet for the cost of like two years of rent <laughs> <laughs> and then man uh you know, picture of ape rapidly depreciates in value. Man's life is spiraling. Everyone hates him. Uh, doctor says, uh, bored ape yacht club festival is in town. Go and see yeah. it. <laughs> he does. And then it fucking blinds him. Yeah. <laughs> now he can't even look at his worthless ape anymore. <laughs> the uh, end, by the way, that's the last chapter. <laughs> yeah. It's really inc pretty incredible. <laughs> hate to be one of these guys thank god i never will be yeah um as long as we're talking about um oh i had a transition for this um but i don't uh, just just new just people popping off about things you wouldn't expect i guess yeah. we have a clip from norman finkelstein who is famous for telling pro uh israel zionist protesters at his speeches that he doesn't want to hear their crocodile tears there's a yeah. very famous great clip of that but Todd asked us to live react to this video from Twitter uh, on the pod. And so yeah, we're going to do it. that now. Yeah, yeah. All Let right. Three, up. two, one, go. There's an expression. I don't know if they coined it or whether it's a commonplace in your generation. The expression is gooning. G-O-O-N-I-N-G. Grooming or gooning? Gooning, G -O -O I love the way he says gooning. Gooning? It means basically... Uh, being transfixed with porn, video <laughs> porn, for like 24, 48 hours straight. Uh, straight's the right word there. Uh, <laughs> what? And, what? And, and watch straight porn. It struck me. Now, Probably I know the most this is going to sound harsh, but it struck me that even though this crowd considered itself bohemian, <laughs> and they even do? though this crowd considered itself um, uh, uh, what would you say? Uh, uh, anti-establishment. Do they? It struck me 
this is exactly the crowd that would go over to fascism. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard for me to pick apart what my favorite bit of that is because it's yeah. so on point at the beginning. And then by the middle, you're just completely off the rails. Yeah. And then by the end, I am once again, completely on board. Norman Finkelstein is 100% correct. Uh, yeah, totally absolutely. agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Cause you have like a little, like the tweet that we were shown. I, I purposely didn't watch this video so I could react to it. <laughs> Get a, get a little genuine reaction, and it's like it's just the part of him like spelling out gooning and saying it means watching porn, and then this is the crowd that would go over for fascism, and then in the middle, it just I was not expecting him to be like they may consider themselves bohemian, and I was like, <laughs> has any person ever, while like sitting down at their computer or pulling out their phone, gone like, I'm being so bohemian right now as I like, crank <laughs> one out to this internet porn? I don't think people think that. I don't know. It's kind of interesting because I think in some ways he's he's illustrating a really good point about what conservatives think about themselves. Right. Which is mm -hmm. like that the real rebellion, because if, if you're like a trad cath or you're like one of those like cottage, I'm a cottage core Christian and I want to yeah, have yeah. eight babies or whatever. Yeah. Um, your, your whole thing is like, you know, you probably don't watch porn. You're probably like a grind set, bro, wake up, work out, feed my goats, you know, whatever yeah, kind yeah. of stupid shit. And, um, it's, so the, like, guilty pleasure for them is stuff like this when when it's all repression it comes out in these like big bursts and so even though he doesn't make it in this way i think he's making like a profoundly psychoanalytic point which is mm -hmm. like if somebody resorts to a 24-hour pornography binge they're they're probably holding something really deep down <laughs> in themselves they're probably like trying to sort something really terrible out and that is that's precisely the kind of person who is primed for fascism is somebody yeah. who is unwittingly maybe uh, or actively repressing you know as many of their instincts as they can mm -hmm. yeah that's it's uh one of the wildest ways to make a correct point i've uh, <laughs> ever seen but yeah i, I can't really disagree with them I love when the the interviewer or whoever is on presumably the other side of this Zoom call asks because he says uh, the expression is gooning and then he spells it uh -huh. and while he's spelling it the guy is like grooming and he's yeah. like no gooning g o o n i n g and it's like where did you come across this bro aren't you like eighty fucking years old reading Twitter reading Urban Dictionary <laughs> like what is he doing yeah it's yeah, amazing. What it's Twitter like, has done to old people's brains because yeah, they yeah. used to only be on Facebook. But now if they're like well-known enough or a bit of a public figure, their ass is on the Bird app too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, part of it I think is like uh, just getting banned from Facebook. Like I remember, did, I don't, I don't, did, but back when it came out, did you watch that uh, QAnon documentary on uh, HBO? I don't think I saw it, no. It was, uh, I remember like in the first few episodes, like there's a lot of like, just like, on the street interviews with people at like QAnon rallies. And a lot of them were like, they looked like middle-aged, like suburban mom types who were really annoyed that they gotten banned from Facebook for like sharing <laughs> QAnon stuff. So I feel like a lot, there's like a significant amount of people that, at a certain point who have to join Twitter because they get banned from Facebook and they want a right. place to share their insane conspiracy theories. Well, it's kind of interesting because it's like, you know, we talk a lot, a little bit about the the potential dangers of technology. Mm -hmm. And I think on a fairly recent episode, we talked about what it would be like if you were like an old man 
who had never ever smoked weed in his life and you had yeah. never like done, done any more than take a, an occasional drink you have a few beers on holidays or whatever and you smoke weed for the first time at like 65 yeah it would just it would rock your shit unbelievably uh-huh. you would be <laughs> toasted you would be on a on a level of high my stoned ass could probably isn't even eligible to experience yeah. anymore at this point and i feel like the same thing happens where it's like if you're like a 45 year old or god help you you norman finkelstein you're yeah. at least 70 how fucking old is this man um and you're just like you've gone through the pipeline of being like okay uh journalism and newspapers is the good source of info okay tv yeah, yeah. okay but tv kind of sucks like it's super biased so you go to facebook and facebook's a trash heap so you go to twitter and twitter's a trash heap and by this point, you've learned like a bunch of words. Like you are yeah. an 80-year-old who knows what based and cringe are. Mm-hmm. You know what gooning is. You know all the acronyms. You know what CTFU means. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's got to be like really fucking weird to have ascended to that point. And it makes me wonder like, you know, when I'm 80 years old, am I going to be in like the VR like smellovers, yeah. smelling the color green for the first time or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Norman Finkelstein is currently sixty nine years old. Okay, born 69. in nineteen fifty three. Yeah, I know it's it's really insane to like, even if 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 he was someone who was like on the internet from its early days, which is like some people who are you know journalists and researchers probably mm-hmm. were because it's like it's a great way of just like accessing libraries to digitize information or whatever. It's like one thing I know about journalists is they'd be reading blog posts, even in 2023. (laughs) Are people still trying to make blog blogs happen? Even with Twitter and Facebook cannibalizing? Substack kind of became like the one place for blogs now because you can make like a little bit of money off of it. It's like Bandcamp for blogging or something like that. I don't really get it. You can like sign up like it's a Patreon, I think. Yeah, I suppose okay. it's like there's there's a million different variations of like ways to upload and access text on the internet. It seems like a great racket, honestly, because how hard in like the 2020s can it be to make a site that's like upload text and then display it? That's just like just HTML, basically. That's literally my m- that's my coding project homework for this week mm-hmm. is to make like a rudimentary multi-user website where people can log in and post things. Yeah. And it's like, oh, cool. Where have I seen this before? <laughs> <laughs> this is everything. Sure. And I guess like having accounts and logging in and like all that has some, there's some difficulty to it, but it's all things people have figured out before. Yeah. I, I'm two thirds of the way through my class and we're learning how to do this. Like this is nice. fairly elementary stuff. Any seasoned full stack developer would be like, yeah, you need me to whip you up a front end and a back end and a database. And it's no problem. I do that. Yeah, this yeah. is literally my job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I'm glad that Norman Finkelstein is is learning so much about the world at the ripe old age of 69. I hope that yeah. when I'm that age, I'm learning cool new terminology <laughs> from places that are not uh, the toilet that is Urban Dictionary, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is all we had when I was growing up. We had yeah, yeah. we had your friend who repeated things he heard on Comedy Central mm-hmm. and Urban Dictionary. And if you were lucky, you got a cool Mythbusters fact in the middle. It was a bleak time. Yeah. If you were unlucky, <laughs> someone had just printed out a bunch of Chuck Norris jokes and that. Was what you got. Yeah, or 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 you you your friend invited you over to play GameCube, but when you get there, he's he wants to watch the Dane Cook special instead. <laughs> a real thing that happened to me. <laughs> no, I remember Dane Cook all too well. There was a period where Dane Cook felt like the biggest comedian in the world. Mm-hmm. Early two thousands, people thought he was going to be like the really big thing. He's been in the news again 
recently for marrying a woman who he had a relationship with when she was like suspiciously underage, I believe. Yeah. So he's yeah. 51 and she's 24, 24 and they've been dating for like a suspicious number of years or something. I don't mm. remember all the details and I don't care that much. Sure. We all knew from gate that this was who he was. Okay. Yeah. Everybody should have not given him the time of day back when waiting was still something your friend's cool older brother showed you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a tale as old as time when someone is like, <laughs> yeah, my wife's 24. We've been dating for and then they stop and like count for it a bit. And they're like, yeah, it's been uh, six years. That's, that's when we met. She was 18 six years ago. Yeah, it definitely hasn't been eight years. Mm, not or eight, not nine. nine. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, no, but well, speaking of uh, things where people don't seem to remember how long they've been happening, let's talk about the Israel-Palestine conflict, which mm -hmm. did not pop off recently. Um, but the big post that I've been seeing going around is from Megatron, which people seem to have some kind of beef with. Uh, if people are like, oh, Megatron, the war reporting count, the war reporting account with 82,000 followers that is for some reason Transformers themed <laughs> is like right wing or whatever, I would argue, yes, it is a war reporting account. People who are really interested in war are either straight up communists, which are not that common in the West, in the English speaking world, yeah. or they are weird right wingers. <laughs> <laughs> that's just how it goes. Yeah, that's people the, get obsessed with war and then that's what they're into. That's the thing. So um, this Megatron post says, Breaking, Hamas, we have destroyed 15 Israeli armored vehicles in the past 24 hours in Gaza. And then the account follows up saying tanks are running out and the military experts say that now the Israeli army has formed three new tank brigades with Merkava 3 old model tanks. Tanks are not a problem for Israel. As long as necessary, the United States will send them Abrams. The problem is that, well, actually, the post says Abrahams, which I think is an oh, autocorrect yeah. error because <laughs> I'm sure Abrams. this account knows what an Abrams tank is. Yeah, yeah. The problem is that those tanks are becoming tombs for Israeli soldiers in the Gaza settlements. And also after the fiasco in Ukraine, the USA does not have many tanks to luxuriate. It's <laughs> uh, a funny turn of phrase there. It is We're kind of luxuriating in tanks. We have so many here. We're just handing out tanks. <laughs> Got my bitch a tank. Bitches love tanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, push a T. He's like, roll up in that Abrams. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's 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 weird because it's like the the news is that Hamas is blowing up all these tanks. Great. Israel shouldn't have the tanks. But of course, the United States can just send unlimited tanks. Mm -hmm. But also, the news is the U.S like weirdly doesn't have unlimited tanks. So I'm having trouble understanding the war economy that's happening here yeah. where we're, we're both so gung ho on developing as many conflicts as possible so that we can fund them with our military industrial complex and make sure that general dynamics gets a big fat paycheck. But also we've overextended ourselves so much so rapidly in two years that we're mm -hmm. already running out of Abrams tanks. The only <laughs> fucking thing we make in this country anymore. <laughs> yeah, I guess just like simultaneously sending them to Ukraine and Israel in the same year is like, oh, shit, we planned for like one, you know, money making <laughs> conflict that the Department of Defense loves not two at once like we would have had to be making twice as many tanks for this to be working well it's like no fucking wonder that China has felt like so comfortable really not doing any like military exercises or anything not being that provocative but in terms of rhetoric 
really, really establishing themselves as part uh, as like the center of the international community in terms of what the the um the conversation is internationally because by staying largely out of the conflict mm-hmm. it you know as much as we would like to see china be like you know from the river to the sea or whatever uh they've positioned themselves so that like n- nobody has to take anyone seriously but them because the u.s keeps acting like we're gonna go in and we're gonna do some shit about taiwan but mm-hmm. if we don't even have enough tanks to send to israel <laughs> our precious baby boy yeah. in what fucking universe are we gonna liberate taiwan or xinjiang or whatever yeah i feel like it's the same kind of insanity as when uh it seemed like the u.s like a lot of hawks were like angling for war with iran and it was like we just left afghanistan after being like we can't hold this or win this like decades long conflict and mm-hmm. Iran is like a bigger and better armed country. So yeah, when, when, like whenever you look at like the U S struggling against even like, you know, relatively like oppressed and under-equipped opponents, it's like, why do we think any country that has like even close to a comparable military wouldn't just completely dust us? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and relevant to that, um, we we can skip ahead a little bit just mm-hmm. to the fact that apparently there's a peace deal coming down the tube in Ukraine. Oh, something yeah. that we talked about a long time ago, which is that eventually they're going to reach a settlement <laughs> over which parts Russia controls and which parts Ukraine controls. This isn't like propaganda. This isn't ideology. This isn't what I want to happen. This is what was going to happen all mm-hmm. along based on the material conditions of the situation. But instead of accepting that this was the inevitable outcome a full fucking year ago when it was still relevant to do so, mm-hmm. Zelensky, at the behest of the State Department and the CIA, ran around Europe and North America begging for fucking money, which he's still doing right now. But mm-hmm. apparently the United States and European officials have broached the subject of peace negotiations with Zelensky. And so pretty soon we're going to have to a Vladimir and a Vlodimir sitting down at the fucking table and hashing this out, much to the chagrin of the entire international community, because my guess is we're tired of sending Abrams tanks to Ukraine when we could send them to the fucking Levant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like the main thing. Yeah, it, it's actually, it's really interesting because it like mentions in this article from uh, NBC News, uh, mm-hmm. it says, there is unease in the U.S. government with how much less public attention the war in Ukraine has garnered since the Israel-Hamas war began nearly a month ago, the officials said. Officials fear that shift could make securing additional aid for Kiev more difficult. Which is like, it, I feel like there's like two ways to take it. Like you could take them at their word and be like, oh wow, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the the US public really does have an effect on like what kind of wars we pursue. And like that seems like a very naive <laughs> way to interpret it. I feel like more so it's like uh, a not so subtle dig where like someone speaking anonymously in the government is like, look, no one even cares about your war anymore. It's not, it's not hot. It's, uh, it's much like Vanity Fair's uh, uh, Oscars after party. It's no yeah, longer yeah. hot. No it, one cares it, about it. The State Department is dropping Zelensky as like a toy onto the floor, and it just <laughs> says, "I don't want to play with you anymore." Yeah, <laughs> he reaches out and grabs Buzz Lightyear, who has just got like BB's face on him. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's like insanely cynical and horrific because it's like the the way like the whole the democratic warmonger uh attitude it's like i feel like for since the like 70s or 80s you have like republican warmongers that are just openly bloodthirsty and they're like we basically 
have to exterminate these like brown people off the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. Democrats are always like trying to couch it in like humanitarian vibes and are like, we want to be doing this because we're trying to like help liberate oppressed people or like defend, you know, a country's right to exist or yeah, yeah. The, the brave settlers of Rhodesia would be defenseless without our aid. Yeah. Um, so to just like the idea that like, if it is ostensibly like a struggle for freedom and like dignity and like maintaining the rule of law, the idea that it's like, yeah, it's trending less on TikTok and Twitter. So I think we don't have to care about it anymore. <laughs> it, it's, it's so funny, it's right? That I didn't even think about it in those terms, but like that's supposed to be the giving it to us softly is yeah. like, hey, actually, you guys are in control and you didn't hashtag Kiev enough, but you hashtag Tel aviv a whole lot and we're <laughs> listening to you. And that's why we're proud to present Benjamin Netanyahu hosting this year's Kids' Choice Awards. <laughs> <laughs> the Masked Singer is being unveiled. What? Oh my God, it's Bibi Netanyahu. <laughs> Ken Jeong is walking off stage in protest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Recep Tayyip Erdogan is just like holding up a big zero and he's like, a brawl is breaking out on the stage of the mass singer oh god when you live footage of it it is so fucked to have a situation that's in like such a bad way that you find yourself like wholeheartedly agreeing with erdogan one of Mm -hmm. the like most horrible dudes on the fucking planet (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean there's also like uh didn't south africa at some point say like yeah the situation in israel is uh is an apartheid state and ethnic cleansing. And it's like South Africa knows all about that shit. If they're Mm -hmm. calling you out, you have like really gone beyond the pale here. Well, yeah, I think their current government is fairly progressive. Like it's made up of a lot of people who were sidelined previously, Yeah, but it's also like, you know, when South Africa steps in to say something about the situation and the word apartheid keeps getting thrown around, it's pretty fucking evident. And like, you could go back and like read old quotes from Mandela, from, mm-hmm. you know, Desmond Tutu, from whoever, and they all have the same shit to say. They're like, we went there thinking it would be complicated and it wasn't. It's exactly the same. And mm-hmm. that's just how it is. <laughs> it's apartheid. Yeah. Yeah. That's really the thing about like the whole like quote unquote conflict is that it's just like, you're just seeing like the contradictions come to bear, Mm -hmm. which is like, it's always been like, it's been an open air prison and like denying people access to their home country for decades. And like at a certain point when there's like no budging, no kind of like diplomatic, because I feel like early two thousands, like late nineties, like there were probably, you know, I don't know what the, like the mood of like your average Palestinian citizen is, but like, I feel like there was probably a feeling that was like, if we just keep trying to go through the the diplomatic channels, these are reasonable people. We can like figure something out. Maybe at least like stop the bleeding a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it feels like by the time you get like post Trump presidency and you've just seen like how blatantly one sided, like the entire international community is on the side of Israel, you start just feeling like there's no hope of like anyone stepping in and helping us. So there's like no reason to hold back. Yeah. Well, and it's like, You know, there's a point about this that a lot of people have made, but it's worth re-articulating because I think it gets lost in the mix a lot, which is that, you know, obviously I'm not saying that like Bibi Netanyahu is secretly in charge of Hamas or anything, Mm -hmm. but the situation has been engineered for a long time so that only radical militant groups like Hamas Mm -hmm. would be able to lead the resistance. That is to say that Hamas is essentially the preferred enemy 
of the Israeli government because Absolutely. every time yeah. there was somebody who was more pacifist or who was more progressive or who was willing to work and make deals and work within the government and get, you know, at various times, two state solutions at various times, a different kind of one state solution, whatever the case may be, they were just ruthlessly ruthlessly sidelined for so long and like we mm -hmm. we got a little itty bitty taste of this in the united states with bernie sanders where they were just like actually he's on the table and you guys like him too much i'm sorry he's actually not on the table anymore <laughs> they did that with tons yeah. and tons of israeli leaders palestinian leaders whoever in in the region that is occupied palestine and every single time they made any fucking headway, they either killed them, forced them out of politics, or just blew up the entire situation. And mm -hmm. so what do you get at the end of that? You get the guys who can't be fucking uh, corrupted, who can't be manipulated, because their strategy is to fire a rocket at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I feel like it's it's really important, too, for like their propaganda and strategy that Hamas specifically be religious and not secular. Yes. Because if there was like a secular freedom movement then you couldn't just fall back on the argument that like this is a religious conflict because that's one of like the i think the most useful like pieces of propaganda for this whole conflict is to be able to like couch it in like religious terms and then mm -hmm. also make these appeals to like well you know this actually goes back thousands of years uh, right it's like one of the most brilliant things that they did because it's like to a lot of people before they dig into it and are like wait this state was just like founded in the 50s, basically. It's really, really recent uh, by couching it as like, well, actually, you know, religious history says Jewish people lived there like thousands of years ago and it's like their ancestral homeland. And then it's like trying to make a through line that's like, well, thousands of years of conflict. So who's to say who's really right or wrong mm -hmm. or not? Uh, it, it's easy to like perpetuate that kind of propaganda if you're like, and then look, our, our components are... Arab nationalists who want this to be an Arab homeland. So therefore right. that, that like reinforces the desire for this to be a Jewish ethno state. Uh, Cause if it was just people who were like, we want Jews, we want like any like ethnic group, any religion to be able to live here, including us. It's like makes the like genocidal rhetoric much more clear. And it still is clear if you know how to look for it, but it lets mm -hmm. them like couch it as like an opposition yeah. Well, and there's this weird thing that's been going on. I don't know. People give me kind of shit for this opinion. So maybe this is controversial. I don't fucking know. I don't think mm -hmm. it is. But there's this there's this trend of trying to highlight Christians who uh -huh. are also being persecuted, who are being bombed, who are being killed mm -hmm. by the Israeli government as a way to be like, well, like, look, actually, maybe you guys should care about Palestine because it's not just Arab Muslims there. It's also yeah. Orthodox Christians and stuff. And people have pushed back and they've been like, well, what they're actually trying to do is break down the idea that this is a binary conflict between two religious groups by introducing yeah. the fact that other religions live there. And I'm like, I get that that might be what you think you're doing, but what you're actually doing is just reinforcing that everybody in this region can just be neatly divided up by a religious group. And that's mm -hmm. not the fucking point of any of this, because <laughs> if you get rid of that kind of fucking religious, theocratic, ethnostate angle, as you say, Israel just becomes a normal democracy, a liberal democracy, whatever that is worth but it yeah. becomes a normal one in the middle east where everybody at least nominally has the same rights enshrined in law and everything and that's not what they fucking want that's never been the point of the project from gate <laughs> yeah yeah there was uh did you see this is like a few weeks ago i think i forget if we talked about it on the show or not but uh 
I think his name's Dan Carlin, the guy from uh, Hardcore History, had like a, 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 it was like in some kind of tweet conversation and was like, basically just like said the 14 words about Israel. It was like, doesn't it make sense that they're afraid of like, if they have open elections, like they'll be like de- demographically like out voted by birth rates or something mm-hmm. like was just saying like well if there's too many arab people born there and then everyone is equal has equal rights then israel won't be a jewish ethno state anymore yeah great i mean you you could apply the exact same logic to people from mexico and south america coming mm-hmm. into the united states and uh, guess what you fucking sound like when you do that you sound like a yeah. fucking deranged nazi yeah yeah, it's absolutely nuts. And so um, we would hope that there would be some kind of like good response from our government on how to handle this. Maybe some kind of bright spot within possibly the Democratic Party, but who fucking knows? And there is. I mean, we have Rashida Tlaib and Ilan Omar mm-hmm. who have been saying some fairly good things about this. Rashida Tlaib in particular has been outspoken about it because she, she's, of course, the only Palestinian-American basically in government in general in any yeah. kind of public-facing post. But the response from the party at large has been the complete opposite. And we have a um, tweet here that highlights some some quotes from, I don't even know where this fucking article is from, AP, I would guess. Yeah. But uh, this is from Washington, and it says, Congressman Brad Schneider, Hillary Shulton, Richie Torres, and Norma Torres led a statement on the phrase, from the river to the sea and the ongoing Hamas-Israel war, and the following 70 members signed the statement. You don't need to know the statement. It basically just condemns from the river to the sea as being a anti-Semitic statement, mm-hmm. which is utterly unfucking believable. And just, I mean, I, I, I struggle to wrap my brain around how far we've perverted the points of terms and phrases by this point in yeah. the conflict. Yeah, I mean, it's like we, there was a, I think it was just today that I saw a tweet of like comparing the posts of like a super like pro-Ukraine war person who was like, had a couple posts that was like, Russia dropped a bomb on a hospital and killed two Mm -hmm. civilians. Like Russia is a terrorist state. And then another post that was like, civilians died in a hospital because Hamas uses human shields. It's like, it's, it's very, very illuminating of like how the conflict functions to have like two I think Brain was pointing this out on a recent episode that it's like if you are in favor of like Ukraine defending themselves and their country from Russian invasion, then it's like how can you take the opposite stance when it comes to Palestine and Israel? That it's like in both cases you have like civilians being killed, cities being bombed, like an encroaching military force into mm-hmm. a country, and you can just be like on the opposite side in different situations. Yeah, well, it's like nativism. Like, you see this in the United States. Like, the early settlers and their children had this very, like, nativist attitude that, Mm -hmm. like, we're real Americans and these Irish or these Eastern Europeans or these whoever the immigrants were at that time coming in on the boats, they're not real fucking Americans. And we're the real fucking Americans. Except it's exacerbated by this, like, idea that actually all Jews are, like, native to the Levant and they're actually, like, the Levant's indigenous people and so like they have like it's this perverse thing where like you're supposed to believe that like uh israeli jews are basically like aboriginal australians and we should stand up for them despite the fact that we don't stand up for aboriginal australians or native (laughs) americans or black americans or whatever but when you consider the palestinians you're just supposed to think oh well you know the middle east is a big place lots of arabs there 
I'm sure they could go find their fucking friends, despite yeah. the fact that you can't even get along with the church down your street that is full of the same exact white people that are in your fucking church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's deeply horrifying. Yeah, and, and the perversion of it, there's another tweet. It's not in our notes, but I just was reminded of it. This is mm -hmm. from Ryan Ruby, and it says, we have now reached the perverse state of affairs in Germany where affiliates of the group Patriotic Europeans Against the Islamization of the West, which is a far-right anti-Islamic organization, are holding readings of Victor Klemperer's Language of the Third Reich in Dresden to show solidarity <laughs> with Israel. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Wow, in, that's insane. Especially because Language of the Third Reich exactly outlines the techniques that Israel is using right now to commit a genocide against the fucking Palestinians. <laughs> Ugh, yeah so it's just on another fucking level and as long as we're on another fucking level let's talk about ai mm -hmm. the ai images that we've seen from Mossad and the idf so far have been pretty fucking unconvincing but there's been a new fold in the story because adobe has been found to be selling ai generated images showing fake scenes depicting bombardment of cities in both gaza and israel and while Adobe does not appear to be selling any of these images without properly marking them as AI-generated images, they are getting used in secondhand sources, unsurprisingly, as quote-unquote photographic proof of atrocities that are happening. Mm -hmm. And this Vice article kind of tries to both sides it and say like, oh, you know, actually uh, Hamas has also released AI-generated photos of things. But when you look at the statistics, it's very similar to the number of people on either side who have been killed. Yeah. You know, the IDF is clearly far and away the worst offender in this uh, in this crime. Yeah, I didn't I don't think I knew that they were doing that. I mean, it's like I know it's like a common tactic to just use like pictures from like earlier conflicts or like unrelated mm -hmm. pictures. Like there was the the famous one where just recently Justin Bieber like when the conflict was first breaking out, tweeted a picture and said praying for Israel and it was a bombed out building in Gaza and then mm -hmm. just like took it down later. It was like, oh, whoops, sorry. Um, yeah, but or, I didn't or, or they'll using, even like, just up, they'll upload video game footage like with the oh, ghost yeah. of Kiev at the pop off of Ukraine yeah, or yeah. even at the beginning of um, this conflict uh, in Israel. Somebody was uploading like, uh, you know, aerial combat footage of the supposed conflict. And then everybody's just like, this is from the most recent version of a combat simulator we all play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess like between video games and AI generation is like it's kind of reaching a point where. It's not really, I don't know, it's like, it's always interesting when you, people argue about like, well, what if, you know, something reaches a point where you can't distinguish between like right. a fake computer generated image and the real one. And it's like, it doesn't really matter if people can distinguish or not. It just matters that like, you can vaguely fool enough people to like drive a, a narrative. Because at the end of the day, it's like the people who see these and see enough of them and already are like inured in existing propaganda are going to be like oh yeah israel are, are the good guys look at all the bad stuff that's happening to them mm -hmm. like it wouldn't even matter if it was like clearly a cartoon or like very clearly like 3d computer animation or whatever at a certain point if it's like being shown to you enough your brain will just like start accepting the reality of it 
Yeah, I mean, people don't even need it to be photos, really. Like, dudes will just see a bunch of Soy Jack cartoons uh, on fucking Facebook for a couple of years and then suddenly have an entirely new set of Joe Rogan-ass opinions because they, they drew <laughs> the, the climate protester as the soy face guy and the guy with the Hummer as the Chad Wojak. And so <laughs> now that's now right. I have to go out and buy a Hummer and, and drive it into a crowd of climate protesters or whatever. That's a good point, yeah. Just like enough people have like associated certain things with like the classic Chad image, the huge buff Russian guy. Mm-hmm. And so they're like... Uh, it, it it's it's very telling because people it's like you can tell the people where like that worked on them because they're mm-hmm. just like here's my opinion and this picture and they're like yeah when other people do that it uh makes me think the opinion is based <laughs> in chad and then are like shocked when someone else is like that's not a picture of you like it doesn't convince me of anything other than the fact that you're just like using a picture of someone it's not yeah, even it's, a real picture it's basically astrology for um annoying white guys <laughs> yeah <laughs> And yeah. as long as we're talking about astrology for annoying white guys, we do want to cap it off with something that's a little bit less um, difficult to talk about besides the fucking Israel-Palestine conflict. And this is that Mr. Mr. Beast's most recent stunt, we don't have to watch the video, but he mm-hmm. went to Africa and apparently mm-hmm. he did this tour across Africa where he dug a hundred water wells. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the, the responses to this post on Twitter, it's just a ton of blue checks being like, oh my God, he's the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Mr. Beast, when it comes to making the world a better place, I got one more in me. Uh-huh. Um, and it's so fucking silly because he's going to make so much fucking money off of this and you Mm -hmm. see the wells that he's drilling and he hires a company to drill them and then he builds a tower and he puts two overturned like big plastic jugs on top and he's like that's your water tower now and then that's fucking it and meanwhile china showed up in africa last year and dug over 500 wells and put in real ass water towers that will actually service the community (laughs) for decades and nobody says a goddamn fucking word Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Mr. Beast thing is uh, it's really funny because I, I was like reading the replies as well. And it's like, like you said, there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, this is just he's doing such so much amazing stuff for the world. But like, I think just as many are people who were like uh, indignantly defending him and are like, people will find a way to say this is bad. Like, <laughs> I, I think the most telling one for me was someone was like, these are all blue checks, by the way. Like no one who doesn't have blue check brain damage is even in, like interfacing with this. But someone was like, well, how is he supposed to make content if he doesn't film it? (laughs) (laughs) Which is just like, this has to be content. The idea that you could go and give like villagers in Africa a well and then just leave without filming them and forcing them to like be dancing puppets for your like video. It's just not possible that you have to be making content out of it. Always be grinding. Always be yeah. grinding. I gave a homeless man $5. The expression on his face will shock you. Please subscribe <laughs> to my Patreon. I want to thank all of my patrons so much for supporting this content. Yeah. I really couldn't do it without you. And this is also brought to you by Raycon, the earbuds that never fall out of your ears. It's like, <laughs> man, just give the guy some fucking money. Like, why do you? Why yeah. does it have to be your job to help people? Why can't you just make video? Like, here's the thing. I like this very similar to Mr. Beast's channel called How Ridiculous. Uh-huh. And all they do is they're like, we dropped a car from a really high place. Yeah, yeah. We dropped a beach ball from a really high place. How many, how many balloons will stop a dart we fire from a gun? And yeah. it's like, just do that and then give the money to charity. Don't 
don't capitalize on the charity shit because it makes me sick to my fucking stomach. It's really gross. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. And it's like, you know, all the comments will say stuff like, well, he's just going to use the profits from the video to make, uh, more wells. And I feel like every, it's like people just, no, he's going to use the profits from the video to make more videos. You fucking moron. (laughs) (laughs) He's making more videos and they all make him money. And it's like, I don't actually know what Mr. Beast's net worth is. Like, it's totally possible. Like that. He, ends up putting like 90 to 95% of the money he makes like back into making more videos. But it's like at the end of the day, I I don't know. Mr. Beast is just like the perfect. He's just like this avatar of like liberal capitalism in a Mm -hmm. human body. Like, I think it's why people like, it's not, it's not just his, his like dead eyes that made people think of, of him as the antichrist. But it's like when they look at him, they're like fundamentally not seeing like a real human being like a a human soul they're just Mm -hmm. like this is just like a nexus point it's like he he's managed to achieve like become the godhead of like capital like (laughs) flow where it just is like money and attention can flow into and out of him as a nexus point and it's always like not actually about him it's something else that like he's doing but it's like oh yeah like the kids in africa are the focus or like Mm -hmm. the blind people who can see and then also it's like when the money goes to me it just comes back out again i'm just like this this like null point that everything is like bouncing off of. So yeah. trying to like find a real human there is like, you can't do it. Do a video for yourself, Mr. Beast. We dropped Mr. Beast off the golden gate bridge for a million dollars. And it's just him on the edge of the bridge. And he's like, be not afraid. And then they tip him off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They should, they should reboot the omen and have Mr. Beast be Damien. That'd be cool. <laughs> Hell Yeah. Hell yeah, I'm all about that. Well, uh, if you know any really good script writers who can get that project off the ground, hit us (laughs) up in the Discord. And in the meantime, thank you so much for listening to Beep Beep Lettuce, your favorite uh, weed comedy communism show. Uh, You can get even more episodes by supporting us on Patreon. You can hop in the Discord. You can check out my other show, Work Stoppage, which is about labor and union stuff. Brin's other show, Generation Loss, which is about movies and TV and stuff like that. Todd's shop, Doomer.shop. And as always, we love you. Stay high. Goodbye. Goodbye. Welcome to my island. See the palm trees waving the wind. Welcome to my island. Hope you like me. You ain't leaving. Welcome to my island. See the palm trees within the wind. Welcome to my island. Hope you like me. You ain't leaving.